you are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. Hopefully it won't be total garbage, Dr. Arthur. And action. All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? We are speaking with Arthur Kleinpel III, a special guest star from Los Angeles, Kyle. Excellent. Now, Arthur uh, sent us an email, a listener of the show, and uh, we couldn't resist but to have him on. He's uh, he's down in L.A. He's in the biz. And I'm, I'm so excited to, to get him on here and talk to him. So he's here with us. So welcome, Arthur Kleinpel III. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How's it going up in uh, San Francisco? It's going great, man. It's great. Yeah, we're doing good. It was rainy and cloudy yeah. all day. How's L.A.? <laughs> uh, well, it was quite the opposite, actually, which is, I guess, nicer, I guess, a little bit. Except it was hot, so, you know. All right, Arthur, we, um, we, we got you on the show, but now we get to the part of the show called Why the Hell Should We Listen to You? <laughs> Who are you? Tell us about yourself and why you're here on the show and what do you have to offer? Why the hell should we listen to you? <laughs> Uh, well, I am from, I'm uh, originally from Detroit oh, and nice. uh, went to film school and then came out to L.A. to, you know, make my stake out here. And uh, and then I was doing casting for a minute and that wasn't doing well in the reality show biz. It was kind of, you know, basically just kind of babysitting cast members and whatnot. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, one day... My ex-girlfriend posted a little special effects school out here on my Facebook wall. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm going back to school. I can tell you that right now. So <laughs> let's yeah. see what else is going on. And I was like, you know, like, you know, cause, like, you know, there's so much CGI and crap now on everything, right? And crap, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you're good at melting the two together, that's one thing. But a lot of stuff that really you can't tell. Very absolutely. Tell. Um, and so I was thinking since. I kind of come from like a gun family. I grew up hunting. Um, my grandfather like designed guns and whatnot, so I kind of knew my way around most guns. And basically, I just Googled movie in guns, right? Just sitting there. <laughs> I'm and, sure you found unlimited uh, <laughs> Google hits for that. Yeah. And, uh, and the first company that came up uh, was called Mike Tristano and Company, who I work with most of the time. And uh, I basically wrote him an email. I was like, hey, like my grandfather designed guns. I know about guns. I went to film school. Is there anything going on? Five hours went by. I never got a response. I thought maybe he got lost with all the emails and yada yada. So I called him, thinking I was going to go to a secretary or something. And it went right to him. And he was like, Yeah, no, no, I was going to call you back later. I was like, Uh huh, <laughs> okay. And then uh, we started talking about, you know, what I knew of guns and what I knew of film and all that stuff. And he was like, Hey, I one of my guys working on this John Claude Van Damme movie uh, called Swelter. <laughs> nice. On Netflix, if you want to go. Swelter? Yeah. All right. And, We're totally yeah. going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And like, he was like, you know, this, you know, my guy needs help. You want to like do it for free and, you know, learn the rules because there's a lot of, you know, rules and regulations and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, yes, please. <laughs> so it all happened literally <laughs> like a like, conversation of like, wow. you know, talking to him. And then we met for lunch, and then, you know, kind of like an interview thing. And then, you know, I kind of interned for like a year, give or take, kind of doing, you know, free stuff, learning, you know. And then plus I had to get the permits 
much of a whole just process of, you know, interviewing my family, interviewing my friends, me getting interviewed by the Department of Justice, all this crazy shit that you have to do wow. to be able to bring any sort of weapon onto an actual set with you know, talent and everything else. So That's awesome. And, uh, like, very fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know all that. You know what I find most fascinating yeah, about I, you? I, you know what? You know what I find yeah, most no, fascinating no, I, about you? Oh, go ahead. What? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying I had no idea that that was like a specialty because I always thought it was just like the prop master that was kind of in charge, which oh, sometimes yeah. they are. So like big union stuff, usually it's like a prop master that kind of owns the guns and stuff like that. And then they hire armorers like me to come in and actually function the gun and make sure that they don't, you know, they're, that they work, and that they look somewhat like they know how to shoot the gun and everything else. <laughs> Train them a little um, bit. Yeah, because a lot of actors, you know, like I was working on a movie a couple months ago, and the girl had never shot a gun. And she was, like, kind of freaking out. I was like, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm like, just point the gun. Okay, pull the trigger. There you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> wow. Point um, and pull. But other times, the other times you have to kind of teach them, like, every once in a while, like a tactical kind of move type thing or, you know, like, kind of show them that so they appear that they have actually been shooting their whole life or something like that, which... It's fun. You know, you got to kind of pull them aside for a little bit and kind of teach them, you know, how to draw it safely, how to do this and that safely. Because the safety is really the biggest issue I run into. So I'm sure. Um, that's that's a fascinating aspect of this because a lot of times when you just turn on a TV show or a movie, sometimes it does look like people have no idea what they're doing. And I guess that can really happen, of course, if you have people that aren't getting trained properly. But when you watch something that's so immersive and effective and it does look like they know what they're doing. You have to remember that they're just actors and actresses and somebody like you probably just trained them recently and to make it look like they've been doing it their whole lives. I'm sure you don't get a ton of time to do that. So it's very impressive. Yeah. And uh, and like a lot of the times, like when you watch something like uh, lone survivor, right? Those guys look, like they know they were doing because they went to like Navy SEAL training camp basically wow. give or take for like three weeks before with actual live ammunition Whoa. so when they got the blank gun or the, the uh, blank adapted gun it was just so I mean it didn't it was just easy yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times then they're Arnold Schwarzenegger in five minutes <laughs> right well big, the, the, actually one of like the biggest challenges is <laughs> which is like the most simple thing is that like when you shoot a shotgun, right, or anything that's not semi-automatic, okay? Yeah. So like a revolver, a shotgun, a single-action rifle type thing. Uh-huh. Um, there's no recoil on the on the blanks, right? Oh, because so it doesn't have to move, blow anything back to recycle the chamber, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, like when you see a machine gun, I mean, there's recoil because the bolt has to move back and forth to actually eject the shell and then get connected. But like, you know, if I have like a pump action and I shoot it, there's no recoil. All this huge spark thing comes out, right? <laughs> and the gun doesn't move, okay? So then you're like, we pretty sure when I shoot the shotgun, it like knocks me a little bit over. But Like a real one, yeah, because it's, it's got that right. huge kick to it. Wow, that's interesting. Right, I, I have yeah. so many questions now. Yeah, Kyle. okay, uh, let's. I want to go back to, to the beginning, first of all, all because right. you said something really fascinating. You can ask some questions. Okay. Um you mentioned this before. Your grandfather designed guns, and he designed one really special gun in particular, right? 
yes, the uh, the AR-15, I guess you could call it now, but they went through many phases of <laughs> the AR. Because it kind of really started as the AR-8, which is a 308, which is kind of like a sniper rifle round, a lot bigger than what it is now. And then it became the AR-10. And then he designed a new round called the 223, which is basically a 22 round, basically, just a lot more gunpowder behind it. Yeah. Um, and then that evolved slowly into the AR-15, which then got adopted by the military, which then they called the M-16 or the Military-16 to make it kind of more official. The Military-16. Wow. <laughs> one less letter, one more number, huh? <laughs> yeah. Inch, and then that's the yeah. that's like the famous gun that's been used in the the Second World War. Is that right? Uh, it got introduced at the beginning of Vietnam. So Vietnam. He, yeah. So okay. he was developing it in his garage. So he'd go to work, come home, and kind of dink around in his garage. And uh, in the early fifties, he had something that he thought was going to be something cool. <laughs> so he took it to work. And the company he was working for was called Fairchild uh, Engine Company, I believe. And they made airplane parts. And they had a division that was doing this like kind of experimental weapon development there. And uh, one of the guys saw it and was like, ooh, that's nice. <laughs> and so, because <laughs> so, my grandfather would take home different materials that were being developed at the time, like light aluminum different plastic, different fiberglass type stuff. And, um, he would bring it home and kind of apply it to like the old school gas-operated uh, assault weapon, kind of like the, uh, like the uh, AK-47 type thing. Okay, and he, he basically like used all those new materials and souped it up and came up with this thing that ended up being adopted by the military and heavily used. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it took about 10 to 12 years before everyone was like, okay, we need this. Because what happened was is that <laughs> the military thought because the caliber was actually smaller than our current, or that the, the, the current gun that was existing before, yeah. they thought like, well, hell, that's just a tip backwards. Why the hell do we want a smaller bullet? <laughs> and JFK had a group of guys called the Wiz Kids who just basically kind of took Vietnam and put it in the numbers, you know, instead of actually being like, okay, we need, you know, we need different tactics. They basically said, okay, well, if we have an X amount of bullets, we should kill an X amount of people, right? Wow. Yeah. So, I've heard about this. JFK yeah. was like, what is this gun? <laughs> like, this is like, it looks like a toy. It's plastic, but it'll blow the back of your head clean off at, you know, 230 yards plus. <laughs> and... People were like, wait, but the army and the military, all the top dogs, they thought it was a step backwards. So when my grandfather was trying to actually get it adopted, doing testing, the army kind of like screwed with certain things, <laughs> which didn't help. And then they tried to blame it on him. Whoa. So there was a big indictment. And, you know, like the first slew of M16s that went over to Vietnam to get kind of field tested, more or less, uh, you know, they didn't have cleaning kits, they used the wrong gunpowder, so all the gun jams didn't work. And then they were like, you know, because my grandfather, like, well, you know, he's like, no, you <laughs> fuck this up, you fuck this up, and you fuck this up. It's in the plan, pal. 
Wow. You gotta do this. You gotta have the right ammo. You gotta give me fucking cleaning kit. Are you kidding me? What gun doesn't need a cleaning kit? And that that all comes back to your your basic safety you were talking about. You need all the components in there to work together and and make it work correctly. That's a right. that's pretty amazing. Um, so uh, you have a extensive background in all of this, and and that's what brought you into the line of work that you were mentioning before. What uh what aspects of your um your upbringing uh in terms of films what what kind of films captivated you and made you think that this would be something that you'd really want to do um well i was always just obsessed with like movies in general right yeah that was like my one thing that like i knew every actor every director this and that blah 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 and you know like i think looking back kind of as you asked me, it's like John Woo was like a really big uh, influence. Yeah. Everything from, you know, Face Off to Broken Arrow to pretty sure he did Heart Target. Yeah. Um, like kind of like slow motion, cool weapons, right. actors, like all that stuff. And like, you know, even like in like middle school, you know, I'd have like sleepovers and like whatnot and we'd do like airsoft battles. <laughs> not always like paint, like you know, hand paint all the guns and make them look like the ones in the movies and all that stuff. And uh, I just never do this. It was like one, you know, person ish that kind of takes care of all that. Or I would have just not gone to college. <laughs> you were all ready to go. You were doing it already. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't need to waste all that time and money. <laughs> yeah, John Woo's got um, that uh that extreme visual flair and and heavily utilizes violence in very artistic ways especially gunplay and and uses a lot of that so i can absolutely see that that would be a uh, a draw and and feel like that james did you want to ask one yeah. of your your questions oof, yeah i got i haven't oof i got a lot of questions also you ready for the first one as long as i'm not full of garbage <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, first of all, now that you said it, face-off was total garbage, but whatever. Um, I love face-off. Kyle I love loves face-off. So I think, what a stupid... Anyway, <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, yep. all right, here's the thing. I love Commando, all right? I grew up watching that thing. It has Alyssa Milano in it, if you remember, right? But this... Oh, yeah. I, this I just bought it a couple of months ago. <laughs> but this is before she's hot, so we shouldn't really talk about it. This is, like, way before she's hot. Anyway... I remember being a kid watching Commando, right? And I'm pretty sure Arnold Schwarzenegger dispatches with a whole lot of bad guys by using an M16. In fact, I think there's a scene in the movie where he has two, one in each hand. Yeah. And when I was a kid, yeah. and when I was a kid, uh, like adults in my life that had been to Vietnam and whatnot, right? Like my father, my stepfather, they would say, there's no way you can just fire <laughs> rifles like this with one hand without like really, like you can't aim properly, you can't do this. And as a little kid, you just think it's cool, you know? But exactly. now, what do you? That, my question after getting all that out is: Yes, how realistic could a muscle meathead like Arnold Schwarzenegger, all roided <laughs> up, could he realistically hold two M16s, one in each hand, independently, freely, and fire away and nail the bad guys like that? Or would it be a spring of bullets like a total mess? Real M16s out in the field. What do you think? I want I, your commando I, analysis, please. I uh, I think seeing Arnold depending on how strong he really is as opposed to how he looks <laughs> um, <laughs> i think he could probably hold them both with you know one in each hand and mm -hmm. fire probably a 20 round magazine um 
and you know there'd be like a little you know it wouldn't be like on target so to speak at all whatsoever <laughs> but he could hold it down i think because there's really not that much recoil um the old spray them. and pray <laughs> yeah interesting um, so i mean you know it depends on how kind of strong he is but if anyone could do it it would probably <laughs> either be him or you know or like rambo Mike Stina or something like that, to where, I mean, you really have to hold it tight, but you can do that. Um, I think it's like I said, I mean, there's not a lot of recoil, but if it's in full automatic mode, there is some climb on it, but I mean, I I mean, you could hold it with two hands and it wouldn't climb too much, really. So Beastly Um, Arnold, who basically has two hands combined into one arm, could probably do it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I, got, I got another but not question. For long. Not for long. <laughs> not for long. All right, not question two. Yeah, my, like my... 20 rounds. At 20, uh, 20 rounds. We'll give him 20. <laughs> we'll give him 20 we'll rounds. Give him 20. Commando, 20 rounds <laughs> each. <laughs> and then he's got to shoot the grenade launcher. Right. All right, my second question, which is kind of from the fun fun section of my questions, is uh, since you wow, seemingly know a lot about this topic and you're throwing around vocab like climb and recoil, well, all this good stuff. Um, what are you what, what are your feelings on the the overhand grip sideways shooting that's popular in a lot of like <laughs> you know like instead of just holding a nine in your hand holding it upright and bracing it with the other hand you know like it's fashionable in a lot of gangster style movies but then the point it sideways and and fire it like you don't you can say over- it James the drug dealer grip the, what? <laughs> whatever whatever you want to call it however you want to stereotype it the overhand sideways shot what all you, right what, what's going on there talk to us help Real, us out Arthur realistic or total nonsense <laughs> I would say total nonsense because if you want to be accurate you got to use the sights right yeah man but kind of just because you got to line it because so there's two sights on a gun right the back sight front sight. Right. They're not lined up. You're completely off. We're talking like if you're just a little off, with that, like the farther you get away from the gun, like the more that becomes inches. Oh, okay. So if you don't have it like perfectly lined up, like it can go off like a foot, and you're like, why do I keep missing? Oh, <laughs> because I don't have the sights lined up. Hello, yeah. I'm just looking at the, you know, I'm just using the front sight, the tip of it or whatever. Okay. Um, but at the same time, some competitive shooting competition people will kind of hold the gun sideways ever so slightly just a little bit so it's like easier for their eye to kind of see it i think i've seen that before there's like a little tilt in it sideways right yeah Yeah. and that also helps with reloading so you can kind of reload it quicker oh depending on kind of what kind of whatever like feels better for you um that's kind of like what it is. Some people tilt it a little bit, like not a lot, like, you know, like the sideways drug dealer pop, pop, pop. Plus, that can also break your wrist. Like if you shoot like a, like a full load 45 sideways and you don't have strong wrists, like that'll, you'll feel it. You'll be like, damn. Because <laughs> instead of it going upwards, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It'll go sideways towards you. So like it snaps your wrist more and it puts more pressure like on that, like, under your thumb area. Yeah, so you'd be torquing. it just goes upward. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so yeah. Mostly total garbage. Mostly total garbage, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Excellent. Now you're speaking all languages. Yeah. Okay, I got a, I got a couple <laughs> good questions here. Um, this one's kind of philosophical, but um, lots of movies use guns in lots of different ways, whether it's from realism in a film like a war movie, 
uh, of Saving Private Ryan or any Vietnam movie where they want to show you uh, some devastation or something, where they just want to give you an accurate portrayal of like what was happening in the time period. A lot of other films, uh, high drama will use a gun as like the ultimate um, kind of force in the film. Somebody comes in with a gun, it's you have to talk them down at that point because they have the power and they're in control. So what do you feel in film? How do you feel the the gun? What does it represent in most films and how how is it used and why is it important throughout the history of film? Open-ended question. Uh, right. Um, well, I think, like, depending on what kind of films, like a John Woo type film, right? Mm-hmm. He always tries to use the guns as, like, a sword type of thing. That's why in a lot of his movies it's, like, slow motion, like, you know, like, diving and, like, rolling or, like, they're shooting, like, two feet away from each other, but they're not hitting each other type of thing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, so that's, like, his, like, little theory. I read about like a couple of months ago or something like that randomly where he like thinks it's like a sword and it's spiritual and all that. And then there's like Westerns where basically everyone has the same gun. (laughs) You know, they're trying to shoot each other, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. that's just kind of like part of their character because, I mean, everyone has one in a Western more or less. Right. Um, And then there's like the big action stuff like Commando where he has like, you know, the big M16 with the grenade launcher and like all that. And like that's, cool and whatnot but like i just think it kind of depends on like what the story ish is sort of like mm-hmm. okay like, for example romeo and juliet with leonardo DiCaprio. yes so i'm like, very excited to hear where you're going with this <laughs> yeah i don't know that's like another one of like the movies that like inspired the whole thought process um because all those guns were handmade they were all very specific to the characters each one had their own like little sweet you know like engraving or color or whatever and they were like you no know, one was like the sword nine millimeter one was the dagger nine millimeter or like whatever and that to me i thought i mean like the only thing i really remember about that movie are like kind of the gun parts. <laughs> all the other parts i'm like i know the play <laughs> shakespeare okay. out the window i'm paying attention <laughs> to these handmade guns <laughs> right and like the fact that they had like you know like custom shoulder holsters spin the gun around and like use the gun it's kind of like you know not like a character but like part of their own character i think it's cool otherwise it's just like you know any other gun and it's just a tool you just you know what i mean but if it's like custom like like in face off where nicholas cage like the two custom gold-plated 45 like to this day like i'm just like go any direction as you can tell in, in any moment and so here here's my question for you and and tell us what you think don't you know we don't censor anything on the show what are your thoughts being a guy from detroit and growing up the way that you did hunting and all this expertise that you have uh knowledge and and now it's your profession your thoughts please on bowling for columbine bowling for columbine i at the time it was I mean, mass shootings didn't really occur as much, obviously, uh-huh. at that point in America. I know there's some 
stuff in Europe and Australia at some point during kind of the 90s. Um, Columbine, Bowling for Columbine, uh, Michael Moore kind of, you know, was trying to make a point right. about the guns, right? Mm -hmm. And how it was the guns' fault and if the parents hadn't done the guns. Meanwhile, you know, this is like the first big, real, crazy thing that has ever really happened in our lifetime uh, in America. And it's kind of like the same thing with like Sandy Hook. Like, let's say you have one shooting in a school every, you know, like mass shooting, big crazy that everyone knows about type thing. Like, let's say one every three years, right? Mm -hmm. And of all the people that own guns, the percentage is like, I don't even know, it's like less than 1% that that, even, that would even happen again. You know what I mean? Like, instead of it happening like every day type of thing, I think it would be different. But, um, Michael Moore tends to kind of, you know, bend what really happened and kind of magnify it in his own way. He, he, you know, he's actually from Michigan. Right. Yeah, that's another reason uh, why I asked, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I have a buddy that used to work for him up in northern Michigan. Um, but I think, you know, it, I know that the guards at the school, if they even had any or had any or whatever, if they had had guns, it would have helped. I know that the teachers, if they had had guns, that probably would have maybe helped. Um, but, you know, no one was expecting it. And, and it was just kind of one of those fluky, especially like out in like where it was in Colorado, like everyone's very nice, American and yada, yada. But they also right. don't have like a lot of gun control like California, which mm -hmm. at the end of the day doesn't really matter how much gun control you have. If your kid's a psychopath and wants to kill people, he's going to go find something you know, gun, knife, whatever it is, and do it anyway. <laughs> it just happened to be a little bit easier. In fact, mm -hmm. I was almost at the Aurora uh, Batman shooting. Nice. I was driving actually out to L.A. and uh, sitting with my buddy, and he was like, yeah, we're going to go see the midnight showing at the theater for Batman. I was like, sweet. I get there. He has to work. He's going to be late, so we switched our tickets for the next morning, and we wake up, and you know, the whole Batman theater shooting happened. And we were all like, dude, is that the theater we were going to? He was like, yeah. I was like, what? Holy Are you shit. kidding me? You know how pissed my mom would have been if I stopped in Colorado for a couple of nights and got shot at a movie theater? And then, like, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Interesting. I don't know why, like, Colorado has so many. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, things I, that happen. I, I, I don't know. I, I offer no explanation for it. I have. We, yeah, I'm sure Kyle and I, we have our views on that sort of stuff too, and we don't have to get bogged down by it. But I, I do appreciate the point that, yeah, Michael Moore clearly and unapologetically has an agenda, you know, and that's that's not even masked, so that's fine. That's out in the open. It's tough to take an analytical sort of statistical-based approach to these kind of issues when they're so emotionally heavy, though. You know, like it, it doesn't right. it doesn't really work well with the population and and the emotions involved to present things like well, way more people die because of heart disease or way more people die in car accidents. And, you know, you can go on and on. Like, there are more accidents in swimming pools. Like, the stats, I don't know, the stats are there, but they're so, they're not used and they're, people don't want to see them either. It's it's a weird thing. We could we could talk about this for yeah, a long I, time. But. Yeah, it, and with any documentary, you know, once you've, once you've taken something out of kind of the scientific analytical standpoint yeah. and you've, you've invested a human opinion in trying to solve a problem you've already added you know it, 
some bias into it mm-hmm. in any way and uh and it this these tragedies occurred in the way that they did and exactly like what you said you know if if somebody is crazy and is going to do something crazy they probably are going to do something crazy and uh, i think that kind of the bottom line with that is having less access to things that may cause harm with those certain people um if you can detect it and would try to do that um can alleviate some of that sadness so it's a uh it's a really complicated subject and it's really amazing because it's something that in our country is written into the constitution so it's it's not like somebody just came up with a rule one day and they can just kind of go back onto it so we're in an extra tricky spot with that as well (laughs) we are yeah like like you said it's very emotional yeah it is when you look at it not emotionally and you look at it mathematically let's just say right it's less than one percent that anyone ever does anything super crazy with a gun yeah as far as mass shootings and everything else because it's, so many people own guns and so many people have, you know, use guns. And like shit in, in, in Detroit, you can go into a gun store, <laughs> which I've done, go rent a machine gun, and they give you the ammo, give you the machine gun, you go into the, uh, you go into the target area, and that's it. That's it. And you come back, you drop the gun off. Yeah, I'm, I'm also uh, from Ohio originally, like, and I know that the, uh, the laws there are incredibly... Uh, non-existent in terms of of things like that as well right. so it, it is very tricky and then the other the other part of it is we have all of these sorts of things like films and everything where all of this is represented and of course that brings up the the great debate just like with video games about what kinds of things cause people to, to do things certain ways and don't want to get involved right. in any of that right now because i don't think anybody has great answers or science on any of that currently to this point but uh another interesting topic yeah uh, let me let me let me i'll i'll bring us back to to more lighthearted stuff how about that since i <laughs> since I, I i took us down a serious road and uh let's let's bring it back to something i'll, I'll a quick joke question here we go ready uh author your thoughts on that what the fuck what was the name of that movie with angelina jolie where she was like a secret agent trained to shoot bullets Wanted. at her huh wanted <laughs> oh my god Wanted. you know what i'm talking about right like now do this with your wrist. Like she was being taught how to make bullets curve. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> did you see that, did piece, you see of that piece of garbage? <laughs> I oh, did God. not. Arthur's oh, about to say he worked on it, right? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I, you know, if you did, good. At least you got a paycheck out of it. Uh, have you seen that movie? <laughs> uh, I've seen it. I never worked on it, but I have touched the gun that she had in the movie at a rental house. Interesting. Wow. What What do you think of that whole concept of of curving the bullet? No. <laughs> I mean, it's just total garbage. I mean, it's, <laughs> total you garbage. Have, you would You would have to do it with a certain hand, depending on what how the rifling of, of the pistol is. Uh-huh. And then, and then it's like it's a it's a theory. I mean, it's a it's a realistic theory ish. The way they did it was just totally dramatic, and that would—I mean—you basically wouldn't be able to ever really do it. Yeah, really. I think Either actually, uh, MythBusters did an episode about that movie and about trying to curve yeah. bullets, and uh, and they <laughs> yeah, were they—they no, they debunked it. But it's interesting because just from a science and physics standpoint, in theory, if you had a gun moving laterally fast enough, you've added a velocity component 
to the gun going sideways. And then if you shoot the gun, does the bullet continue having velocity sideways? Well, you you, you would have to do it against how the bullet spins. Oh, interesting. So the bullet spinning to the right, you'd have to throw the gun really hard to the left to have it, like, I think, anyway, I'm not really sure because I'm not, like, a (laughs) physics guy. It's kind of a mythical concept, anyway. (laughs) All right, quick quick follow-up question. Quick follow-up question to that. Uh, can you hit a curveball? I'm kidding. All right, Kyle, take us away. Take us away. What do you got, Kyle? So, so I already asked you kind of about some of the um, movies that you liked growing up, and you've mentioned um, a couple of them, especially John Woo. Um, what are some notable films that you've worked on that you're really proud yeah, of, and man. some things that you got to do that was uh, really exciting for you? Um, some well, so I kind of interned the first year, like 2012, 13-ish. I did like the Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, little kind of, kind of like a pseudo-Western. It has uh, Lenny James in it from Walking Dead. Oh, cool. Uh, and a few other people. Um, that was really cool. That was like the first time I ever like was on a big boy set with like big boy <laughs> actors doing like real shit. <laughs> um, and then after that, I worked on a movie called Tell, which is also on Netflix just for like one day. It was, I was just helping my buddy and we were doing a machine gun thing, but I had like, uh, it had uh, Robert Patrick who played T-1000. Uh, oh. It had, Ooh, cool. um, what's the name from all rats? Um, <laughs> Jason, Jason Muse. Jason Lee. Oh, Jason, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Yeah. And actually the special effects guy had worked like on Star Wars and shit. And then they had like the number one stunt guy, I can't remember his name, but he's in like every eighties, nineties movie ever. That's like the number one like stunt gets the shit. He's the guy in Casino who gets his eye popped out with the vice <laughs> for Johnny fucking M. Wait, what in in what that movie? What? In, in Casino. Oh, you, you know, know what I've never Joe seen Casino. The, the guy that's squeezing or when Joe right. Pesci squeezed in the guy's head, right? He's like <laughs> he gets guy. vice. Anyway. All right, I'll have to watch. It's yeah. of course it's the. Uh, it was like a. It's yeah, it's the um. Oh my god, uh, I just totally blanked on his name. They one of my favorite directors. Robert De Niro. The oh, Scorsese. Scorsese, thank you, God. Yes, Kyle. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I apologize. I love and, you, Scorsese. Uh, You're great. <laughs> um, I worked on a movie like my first real like I was the only armored guy on it. It was that fucking desert for three weeks straight <laughs> shooting all fucking day every day wow no breaks at all what so film was that like a day off. uh it's actually coming out now it was oh. like three years ago they just have that's called uh game of aces with chris klein and the german actor who's in valkyrie who like is watching uh he's like the bad guy in valkyrie who like basically watches Tom Cruise, fuck with the cases and trying to kill Hitler. Okay. I don't know if you guys remember that scene? I do, yeah. His name is, yeah, his name is Warner Dean. He's like an awesome, awesome guy. He's in it. Chris Klein's in it. I'm actually in it for about a half a scene as just a driver. And then Victoria <laughs> Summer, who was in, uh, she was in Saving Mr. Banks and Transformers as like little tiny parts or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that was awesome, and I like I don't know what they've done with the cut, but it's just it's just now coming out like this spring, so or this wow. summer, I guess, at All some right. point. Congratulations! And then I worked, and then I worked because I'm like not union, so like mm-hmm. all the big big stuff you guys see, 
is all union, and it's usually run by like one of the top prop masters. Um, okay. And then they and then they hire guys like me who are in the union, yada yada. Because the props and the in the firearm stuff and all the guns are all the same uh, union, which is called Local 44. And so to get in, that's very very difficult, if not impossible. Um, <laughs> and then I worked on a movie last fall directed by James Franco called Indubious Battle with James Franco, Josh Hutchinson, uh, who else? A bunch of Robert Duvall's in it. Um, a bunch of, like, the cast is just totally stacked. I was like, what? Because when I got the call sheet, I was like, holy shit balls. <laughs> and, and when you say, let's, let's back up for a second. When you say that you work on these movies, that means you, uh, you know, again, to clarify things, you help them with uh, how to manage the weapons, how to hold them, how to make it all look realistic, and with the armor. D- describe a little bit about the armor, because you, you drop that word, and they're like, yeah, I worked on the armor of this one shot, uh, this one movie. What does that mean? Right, so sometimes I'll do, like, props, right? So that mm-hmm. would include the guns and whatnot. Sometimes I'll do, like, some kind of special effect thing, like a dust hit, like when you see, like, somebody hit a building, like a bullet hit a building, you see, like, the dust, like, face oh, it, yeah. ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a paintball full of dust that, you know, unless you zoom in and look at the hole, you don't even notice the hole's not there. Oh, so they but want they want you, when you were they want you shooting those but, then, huh? Yeah. So I, you know, I'll give the gun to the guy. I'll say, here's the gun. You're shooting over there, and then they'll shoot him at the other guy, and then I'll stand to the side and then shoot around that guy behind him to make it look like the guy shooting at him and missing or whatever, like hitting the ground or hitting the wall or whatever. Oh, um, all right. Interesting. So when yeah. the movie when the movie comes out and there's all the pew, 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 at the guy's footsteps, you're like, "That's me right there." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I cut you off. What about um, the armor now? Okay, so armorer uh-huh. is anyone that kind of supplies or handles any sort of weapon. Oh, so it can be swords, it can be guns, it can be you know knives or whatever. Uh so, yeah, so when I say armor, that's just like we just work directly with the actors and the director with the guns. And because, like, a lot of times the movie will go and, like, shoot, you know, for, like, let's say two months, right? And the prop guy will get fake replica guns, and then we'll get called in to just do the blank fire stuff. Mm. Okay. So we'll have to, like, match those guns that they had. So if the director or the producer or whatever is, you know, smart, they'll not hire us for the whole show right they will have all the you know fake you know rubber gun or whatever replica and then they'll just call us come in and say hey we need you on tuesday thursday friday to do the blank fire stuff thank you very much and that's it and then the rest you know i mean i've been on shows where i just have to sit there because any sort of blank fire gun like i have to i have to be on there and like watching everyone Mm. And make sure they don't drop it and spin it around and point at each other. <laughs> everyone gets all excited. And, you know, Everybody wow. turns into Clint Eastwood and <laughs> five seconds right. spinning guns around. <laughs> right. Damn, that's scary. So, like, especially like when you like have to cock the gun, like a revolver or a shotgun. Everyone just sits there and they just cock it, pull the trigger, cock it, pull the trigger. I'm like, okay, every time you do that, you're hurting the gun a little bit. Let's just not do that. <laughs> you're hurting the guns. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, so let's just give me the gun back. Okay, there we go. And then I just basically kind of wait around till 
you know, they actually actually start, you know, rolling. Okay. Shooting the scene. Here's something funny. Uh, how about in every film when they have a shotgun, how everybody is obsessively cocking it all the time, even in situations where they don't need to and they accidentally do it like five times in one scene. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yes. <laughs> like when they're like pointing it and they're like, oh, I'm going to shoot you. And then they cock it and you're like, wait, were you going to shoot me? You couldn't have shot me before that because you didn't even have the shell in the, in the barrel. And if, and if you did a second ago and you cocked it and then you cocked it again, now you've lost one of the shells that was in your gun. I've seen that editing right. mistake in so many different films where like back to back there will be like five different <laughs> like over and over again. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Or or if you notice, like, they'll shoot two times, like, let's say a semi-automatic pistol. So in real life, and it is the blank gun, you shoot it, right? The gun is empty. The slide stays back. It gets so stuck, right? when you drop right? the magazine out, right, it stays back. So when you drop the magazine out, you put another one in, you just hit the button, and it goes forward, and you can be, you know, you're already loaded. Now, a lot of times, armorers will only stick two or three blanks, in the gun, depending, but they won't stick like a fake bullet at the bottom, so the thing doesn't stay open. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, and so we have dummy rounds for that. So we'll stick a dummy round in the mag, then stick three blanks, so then the slide stays back properly, or doesn't stay back properly. Okay. Um, All these little details. Huh? Yeah. Unless they're out of ammo. Unless they're out, then it should like, stay back. Right, because like they'll do like the one, two, three shots, the thing stays back. They'll cut away to the guy dying. They'll cut back, and the slide's shut. And you're like, right? I've seen that, that a whole bunch too. And... <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good TV one. You see a lot too, because I'm sure they don't get to do as right. many takes and fix all those little mistakes that happen as films do. Yeah, no, they do. Because okay. a lot of times they'll say, "Okay, how many shots do you want?" And they'll say, "You know, we'll do five shots." I'm like, okay. Is the, is the gun still going to be loaded? They're like, um, yeah. <laughs> so then I'll have to like, yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, like they'll shoot, 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 right? And then they got to reload. They'll drop the mag out, put another one in. Kind of like in, uh, you guys seen uh, Last Man Standing with Bruce Willis? Last Man Standing. Ooh, no, Maybe a long so. time oh. ago, I think. Is that a good uh, one to watch? Oh, I know. It's awesome. It's actually a remake <laughs> from Fistful of Dollars. Oh, Maybe cool. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. But it's like a 19... Yeah, so it's like a, that exact story, same exact thing, everything, but it's set in the 20s in like a ghost town type thing. But there's scenes where Bruce Willis is just going through buildings and just 245, double shoulder holster, <laughs> just blasting, reloading, dropping the clip out, reloading, just blasting these guys. And it's, That was another movie that when I saw I was like, this is awesome. I like movies more now. And you guys, you guys would love it. The acting is kind of cheesy a little bit, you know, just a little bit. Yeah. But it works as kind of like a noir western. So it's basically like a noir western, not black and white. Okay. Cool. I want to yeah. ask you a yeah, quick no, question cool. because I neglected to ask earlier. What uh, is your grandfather's name, and and is your grandfather still alive, or has he uh, passed on at this point? Oh yeah, he passed on in nineteen ninety. I think, or 95, I think 96. Okay. And his name was Eugene Stoner. Eugene um, Stoner? Yeah. Okay. And he was a private, he was a Marine in World War II, 
who <laughs> wanted to be a pilot, and then his eyesight wasn't good enough. So he went down to the Navy and had a connection in the Navy to where, you know, they put him, like, at a desk or something and do something kind of out of combat niche, right? He goes down to the office. He's sitting there with a couple of guys. The general walks in, looks at him and says, you, 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 and you, you guys are Marines. Come with me. Wow. <laughs> and my grandfather was like, we, I don't think, wait. And he was like, nope, you're a Marine now. Because, like, you know, like, Navy Marines, like, kind of work together. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, I think anyway. And he's just like, nope, you are. Because he already signed the papers and crap. He was like, <laughs> You don't really have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, he, uh, he like, picked airplanes over in uh, one of the islands in the South Pacific. I forgot which one. But, in fact, that's where he kind of started to fiddle with guns because he found an old gun on, a, like, some, like, random battlefield in, like, one of the islands or whatever and took the action out of it and made a gun. Um, wow. with it and then yeah in fact I actually still have it in, wow impressive ingenuity <laughs> that's right. amazing I, yeah, I gotta... and, then he, and then he made and then he made a hunting rifle for my grandmother which I still have wow um, awesome have wood like with a knife yeah I was like what the heck crazy yeah, man that's great yeah alright speaking of yeah. wood, speaking of <laughs> rifles made out of wood I got a question for you I just watched the trailer to Independence Day 2 right <laughs> And you may be saying, what does that have to do with a wooden <laughs> rifle? And according – have you seen the trailers for this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Resurgence, whatever it's called. Resurrection. What is it called? Something. Resurgence, R. right. <laughs> uh, we're a well-researched podcast over here. Um, <laughs> and in the movie, it appears that Earth has co-opted the technology of the aliens. And we're going to use their technology to defend ourselves for when they come back. Right? So you see in this movie that there are lasers just fucking zipping all over the place. And it's driving me crazy. I – I don't think I'm going to be able to follow the action at all. The question then is, what's the future here? <laughs> what is the trend that you see? Because if a movie comes out like Independence Day and, and movies like Avengers and everything is being reduced to like lasers, these really sci-fi things where you can essentially have like guilt-free murders now in movies because as long as you introduce a horde of some creature that's not quite human and not quite a robot, it's somewhere in between – and you just shoot the shit out of it with a laser, which isn't bullets enough. <laughs> Don't you mean Nazis? <laughs> that was the old go-to. Now we're on aliens. Yeah. Like, so what's the future? Because like I imagine zombies that and zombies. Yeah, I, yeah. I imagine that every time a movie like this comes out, there's less and less of demand for the the real thing, the genuine article of a handheld gun that shoots around. And so, how do you feel about all that? Right. What's the trends? What you know? What what do you see is in the future for? Movies and weaponry. Uh, movies and weaponry is becoming more and more um, just CG stuff because mm. when we're doing a scene, right? Now they'll say, you know, you want to shoot me in the face, and I'm sitting at <laughs> the other, you know, the other end of the table, uh -huh. right? <clears throat> the pain in the ass of that is okay. Now I can't use a blank that comes out of the front of the gun. I have to now use a blank gun that has all the flame that comes out of the breech of the gun. Or the, yeah, the breech of the gun. Because there's so a there's make... a buffer safety zone in front of a blank round where it's still extremely dangerous. So you don't want to be pouring right. it in so anybody. Just, right, like even with like a quarter load, if I shot you right in the face, it would burn you. And it would probably throw a piece of little tiny pieces of metal into your face, just like little pieces. Because the tip of the blank crimps, so it's 
squeeze together, right? So when it expands, some of it breaks so off. Blows up, you know. okay. So, yeah, so we have like this, you know, you never point it right at someone directly, ever. And then you have to be at least, you know, 10 to 15 to 20, depending on how big a load and what gun you're using away. So they've been using more and more of the, you know, CG stuff to where then you just use an airsoft gun. So I can get a gas-operated airsoft gun for a tenth of the price, not have to have an armor, just have the prop guy. Hmm. Yeah, you fill the tank, you do the stuff, bop, 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 and then you have the editor at flash and the bang. And that's, and like with the blanks, I mean, unless it's like darker lit type of stuff, you don't really see the whole blank flash, like in the daytime type of stuff, like out in the desert or something oh, like that. okay. You don't really, I mean, you see it, but it's not like, dramatic or anything but at night you know you shoot a blank you'll see the huge flame you'll see the smoke you'll see all that stuff you'll see the shell or if it's like uh slow motion and you really want to see that flame and the shell like like come out and then like land on you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it's just being more and more cg these days which mm-hmm. you know kind of like uh um like Hardcore Henry, you guys see that? I saw that advertised, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Call of Duty the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And they, and they do a good mixture of uh, both. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of blanks and there's a lot of CG. So okay. when the guy's jumping off the bridge, shooting the guy in the face, stabbing him, and then shooting the other guy, and then getting shot and running around. And, um, Hardcore. Kind of the more complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, sounds like a sissy. So kind of like the more complicated it gets the easier it is to use CG, but directors that really want that effect stick with the blanks and they'll pay the extra money to have us come on. Interesting. And you know, that reminds me of, um, and highlighting the importance of this piggybacking on what you said, when I first saw the movie Heat with uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino um, and Val Kilmer, yeah, it's a great movie. There's a scene where they rob a bank and they're out in the i think they're in the middle is it the LA are they in the middle of downtown LA yeah and they're, yeah, right they're in the middle of downtown yeah and they're firing the machine guns and they meant to go back later and put sound effects in of guns firing but what they ended up using was the real audio from the blank guns firing in the streets because of the way it was yeah. reverberating off all the buildings and everybody on set yeah. was like, it was the most terrifying sound we've ever heard. And they captured it all live. They used all the live stuff. And when you watch that yeah. scene in the films, that is the most intense and like thrilling gunfight I've ever seen. And I think a lot of it has to do with the realism of what they're doing, the athletic nature of how they're... I think they even mentioned that the one of the military groups plays that scene of Val Kilmer switching out his mags and they're like you have yeah. to be able to do it at least faster than this actor because <laughs> they like well, got no, I mean, so into it and they were so impressively uh, into how they were doing it and the sounds that it made and everything highlighted and really added to the film yes and that's where you know you'd be surprised where you're like well that was just a flash like in most of the parts on uh, in uh John Wick, where he's just walking around and he just pop, pop, pop right. to the face, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's <laughs> going around, just, just drop the people, right? Very stylized. Yeah. Yeah, that was just an electric gun that just moved the slide. Oh, okay. And that was it. 
Maybe you don't just, really get that like <laughs> like that concussion like that you hear in uh, in heat, where it's like and you can actually hear it. What it would actually literally sound like reverberating off the walls, like you were saying, and all that stuff, yeah. plus the smoke. Because they, because like machine guns produce a lot of smoke that you don't really see in movies, or you don't really realize in real life until you're really shooting it. Interesting. And like one magazine is like you know 25 rounds, let's say, and you just go, and that's it. It's all gone. And you're done. <laughs> and and all the smoke is like in your face and mouth, and you're like, ugh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. They can't do that to their actors. Yeah, I was shooting a, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, with the blanks, it's like less powder, but like real, like live stuff. Like it all comes back into your freaking face and it burns your eyes, it burns your throat, and you're like, okay, not doing that again. And that's why the M16 it started out fully automatic, and then it went to three shot burst and single shot burst to because help. people were just wasting just, so much ammo. Yeah, just that, blowing through it. Yeah, and they were just, you know, me. And that's also why, you know, we started with a 2080, I think a 20 round mag in Vietnam. And once we realized that the other team had an AK 47 that held 30 rounds, my grandfather was like, well, I guess I got to design a whole other mag now to hold more. <laughs> Even though, because like the magazine. A literal arms race. <laughs> yeah. And so, because. A lot of people were trying to push so many bullets into the other mag that it was wearing out the spring, so the springs weren't working properly, and so he had to kind of change that. You but had to fix it on. But yeah, no, and he, that's like one of my other favorite like movies of like actual gunfire scenes. They just unload with like the two double drums in their AR-15. They just sprang and sprang and sprang and sprang. And... What film is that? Uh, heat. Oh, heat. Like so, yes. when Doc Gilmer has the gun, yeah. Yeah. I think his gun had the one normal mag, but like uh, Robert De Niro had like two, the double had, like, one, two mini double drums. Yeah, they hold each fifty, I think. Or, yeah, yeah, that's a um, it's a good movie. You should see it, James. I know you haven't I'll, seen it yet. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> well, I, I want to. We've talked so much uh, about all this stuff, and unfortunately, we're running close to the end here. So I want to end on a. Uh, a a little fun experiment here. So no matter uh, how you feel about guns, they're, they have an extreme historical presence throughout the American history. And in film, they've pretty much been there since day one, used in lots of different ways, whether it's for a dramatic piece, whether it's for realism, any way they're going to use them, they're still there. They're highly prevalent. They show up in our future movies. We're fighting aliens with them. <laughs> Anything we set millions of years in the future... They're still using laser guns and, and taking each other down. So whatever all that means, I have a little game I want to play with you two right now. Okay. So this is going to be called Guess That Gun. And what I'm going to do, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off uh, the names of some famous uh, film icons or movies. And first I'm going to go through James, and I'm going to see if he knows the name of the iconic gun. And then I'm going to head it over to you, Arthur Kleinpel III, and we're going to see if you can guess what they are. All right? Sounds good. You yeah, guys man. ready? Okay, the first one. This is the easy one. This All is right. where we're starting out. James Bond, 007, has a famous gun he's used in almost every film. James, I know you've never seen any of the movies, but we're going to start with you. What is the name of Bond's most famous gun? Fuck, I should know this. Even though I've never seen a James Bond, I should know this because I played Goldeneye. Oh, even though you've never yeah. seen a Bond film. <laughs> it's it's a 9mm, no? Isn't it? 
Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure about Arthur, the, what is it? the caliber, but Arthur, hit us up. What's James's uh, most famous gun? Is a PP7 or a PPK, depending on what, you know. Yep. That's right. The, that gun sucks in GoldenEye, though. <laughs> the, right well, that's the worst that, gun to have. Right. It's a 380, which is just a bit smaller than 9mm. There you it's, go. It's basically, the, the, the bullet is the same, right? The tip of the bullet. It just has less gunpowder and has a smaller kind of this gun uses pop. Stuff, but it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of the guns that when people carry a gun, right, like in real life, and they don't, you know, want to have a holster and all that crap. They'll just get like a little 380. Okay. It has like you know five shots, and it's like a little pea shooter. The Walther PPK pea shooter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. next up, Kyle. Next all right, up. here's the next one. Uh, what is the uh, first of all? I'll even ask you: Have you seen the film Scarface, James? Parts of it. Okay, there's a famous scene at the end where Tony Montana, that's the worst accent ever. Mon- is it Montana or Montoya? Mon- Montana. Oh, all right. Um, he's got a gun so at the end of the... Huh? You've seen Scarface, right? Just, just parts of it here and there. Never, just... from, never start to finish. <laughs> okay. You gotta get on that. So there's a scene at the end where he says, Say hello to my little friend! And he uses uh-huh. this gun. What is it? Oh, man, it's that... Uh... It's the one with the curved front clip that faces forward. No, it, it's not an AK-47. It's a. Uh, it's, it's also in Golden Eye. It's I not think. Arthur. What Arthur, is the what gun? Is it's an M16 with a grenade launcher attached to it. Yep, the the <laughs> M161 uh, with a M203 grenade launcher on Holy it. Holy cow! All there right. you go. All yeah. right. Well, for two. They, they actually they they make the gun look way bigger than it really is. I think, from what I understand, Al Pacino's not a big guy. So it looks like it's a huge gun, right? But in real life, it's not like really big. Okay. In Commando, that's what he uses. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Uh, right, next up, this guy. one comes to you from the movie Delta Force with Chuck Norris. Have you seen this film? <laughs> no, but just just ask. Okay, to see, he uses an iconic submachine gun in this one. What's it called? I don't know, an Uzi? Arthur? Uzi. Uzi oh. it is. You got hey, one. Hey, Arthur, real quick, before we get to the next question, is it true that <laughs> Uzis are very, very difficult to aim with, that they just have a, a, a ridiculous yeah. – yeah, they are? Well, they're like a Tech 9, okay, which You're... is actually one of the guns that were that was used in Columbine. It's like a little – it's called a, like basically called a machine pistol. And what oh. it does is it just sprays bullets. You don't really aim it unless you're doing one shot at a time, oh, and okay. then maybe you can hit something. But it's only really deadly up to, you know, 20 yards max if you can hold it and everything. But the, the recoil on a 9mm at full auto is so high that you can't really keep the barrel straight. Well. But it's for drive-bys. Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> you, always, you always see it in the films. It is the drive-by gun. It is. The Uzi and the Suzuki. Right. Okay. Bruce Willis, John McClane in Die Hard. What's the famous gun that he uses? James? I don't know. It's uh, just a classic police-issued hand pistol. I'll give you a hint. It's the military-issued sidearm. Uh, a, not a Tech-9? I don't know, <laughs> man. <laughs> that would be a really bad military-issued sidearm. Uh, what is it? What is Arthur, it? hit us awesome. up. What is it? It is the 9mm Beretta. Yep. That's M1. A, that's exactly right. M1A. Die Hard's a good movie. Like that, yeah. Yeah. We, well, Says the Beretta 92. All right, next up. 92, that's right, yeah. Okay. Now it's issued in 1984 by the military. There you go. <laughs> wow. 
All right, here's my uh, my last one for. Right, oh, last well, one, it's last my one. it's my last uh, for all one, the, and, for then, all the and then there's one more uh, little funny one for all the bullets. Okay, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry. What's his famous gun? It's it's uh it's got to be the what do you call it? The fucking is it a Smith and Wesson? It is a Smith and Wesson. What's it's the, a revolver, right? Like it's a, a revolver. Colt forty five. Not not the Colt. <laughs> Arthur, what is it? What's the famous one? The forty four Magnum, most powerful handgun made in America. <laughs> this is a forty four Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world. So you gotta ask yourself. Am I feeling lucky? Do you see the chair? <laughs> Is anybody sitting in the yeah. chair? Right. Anyway. Okay, my last question for both of you. Yeah. Um, Ash from the Evil Dead has a famous shotgun in the film that he uses that has a really funny name. James, do you know what the name is? No, not at all. What's the name, Arthur? Do you know? Give me one second. Just one sec. It's He's going to look it up on his phone. Thunder stick. <laughs> the thunder stick? You're so close. It's his boomstick. Boomstick. Oh, You're off the show. <laughs> the boomstick. Yeah, they were the close. Guy, Thund- the guy that I get the my guns from, he actually owns the original one that he used, supposedly, I think. Wow. Movie. That is a fantastic yeah. piece of boom trivia. Stick. The boomstick to play us out. All right, wait, wait. I got a question for yes. you guys. All right. All right, one more. All right. The... Uh, <laughs> Uh, in the movie Roger Rabbit, what the <laughs> fuck is that gun? What was that? That cartoon gun with a bullet? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> where the, the revolver? Yeah, yeah. The giant where one. the where he shoots the bullets with and then the like, yeehaw, and the bullets come to life and talk. Right? <laughs> what the hell kind right, of gun is that? He's like, I think he went this way. Yeah, exactly. Kind of little thing. Yeah. Would you believe? Would you believe that Kyle and I saw that gun because we went on a tour of Lucasfilm? Yep. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah, and they were like they had the prop right there, and yeah, when it wasn't drawn, they had this big, goofy-looking toy. You know, it was you, called like powdered blue. Were you about to tell us what yeah. the what the gun actually was? Is yeah. it something real? But I mean, no. I mean, that's I mean the cartoon portion of that. I mean, no. Was it stylized I mean, it off of like anything? A, yeah, it would be like a thirty-eight special oh. Smith and Wesson revolver, which is like what all the cops used to carry back in like the thirties, forties. 20, 50s. Before they realized like revolver. Having a revolver was stupid. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, right. Remember that. Right. The 45s and all that were really expensive and kind of hard to maintain and stuff like that. So they wanted something that, you know, never jammed, never got fucked up. You could throw it in the water. You could smack someone with it. You could drop it. You could, <laughs> you know, lick it. You could do whatever you want. I, I can't believe, I can't believe the most the most informed podcast we've had. This is like, we're up to yeah. almost 50 podcasts, Kyle. Uh-huh. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary. And the most researched, informed one is the one about weaponry, like about there you fucking go. guns. Well, like, we had an expert on the show. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, on that note, and with <laughs> our expert, Arthur Kleinpel third. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and chatting with us. We'll definitely uh, call you up and get some cold calls and some uh, some some more trivia with you and stuff. That was so much fun. Uh, thank you for uh, all your great information um, from the film to the historical background Absolutely. and everything. This is a, a really interesting topic, um, very, sometimes controversial, yeah. sometimes very exciting, present in all the 
almost every film that seemingly ever comes out. So it's a uh, it's great to have somebody on the show who knows what they're talking about. Was there a gun in Zootopia, Kyle? <laughs> there were guns in Zootopia. <laughs> Unfucking believable these fucking movies. <laughs> Oh, you know how much I hate animated movies. Anyway, all right, Kyle, take us to this point. Arthur Sank, thanks. Thank you so much. It wouldn't be an episode allowed on the set if I didn't screw up. Arthur, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll be looking forward to future podcasts. Yeah, Yeah, man, you got it. And being on them, we'll bring you back too. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Anytime for any other stuff or whatever, I'm always down to chat. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We'll call you up for all the gossip that's cool. going on in Hollywood. There we go. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, again, Arthur, thank you so much for being on the show. This is Loud on the Set with Kyle and James, and today, Arthur Kleinpel III. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes, Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. Uh, this has been really fun. Go out and see some of these movies. We have some suggestions of films we can watch now. Um, it's, go see them. Check it out. Analyze it for yourself. What do you feel about these topics? Send us some mail so we can take some responses about all of this uh, really fascinating stuff. So, again, thank you so much, Arthur. Go see some of these films. Yes, sir. Have a wonderful time. See you later. And cut.